previously on Imptab Avatar, Blades in the Dao Fei. Our new trio of scoundrels headed off on their first score as an established organization, the Masked Spirits. They went out to Ember Alley in order to overtake a bathhouse that was being demolished for the monorail, but to do so they had to take it over from Gecko's very good smuggling operation. So they waited for Gecko's men to enter first and set off some traps that they'd known about from some recon they did. And when they entered inside, discovered that about half of Gecko's crew was buried underneath the rubble. So going straight up Batman and taking off some of these individuals one by one, they then announced themselves as the masked spirits and told them that they would best be leaving because this area had already been claimed. Two of Gecko's men ended up getting away and informed Gecko of this new development, but the rest had all been knocked unconscious in this bid by the Masked Spirits to take over this area. They then managed to further extend their roots into the area and firmly establish that portion of the neighborhood as their turf so that after the bathhouse was demolished, they would still have that footing in the area. And they uh, made a pretty darn big splash. People are talking about the Masked Spirits quite a bit. And after some various downtime activities, going out and reducing heat, uh, training themselves and whatnot, we are going to pick up with our heroes for their next job. Uh, apparently something to do with some orphans in the area? Who knows? We'll see what that all means as we enter into this episode of Blades in the Dao Fei. What's shaking, everybody? You're listening to ImpTab Avatar, Blades in the Dao Fei, the Blades in the Dark actual play where we make up almost everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by... Thomas Ryan as Huwei Young. Christian Randall as Tony Nyoru. Evan Peterson as Siwei Leng. Yes, we're going to pick up with our fine trio of lads here. We're going to do a bit of bookkeeping. Woo! We got some yeah! XP questions that we're going to ask. Start you guys leveling up along the way. Uh, before we get into that, though, there are uh, a couple other things that I want to mention for our listeners. You know, as we mentioned, this is a new system to us, and there are a lot of moving pieces. So in order to appease the subreddits and whatnot, people <laughs> who are definitely going to reach out to me and be like, hey, you got that wrong. Uh, we're going to just mention a couple things and make sure that we do them correctly moving forward. So first thing I want to address is some of the stuff we talked about with downtime. One is running the business. I want to address the concept of coin as a unit of measurement. So we mentioned that kind of vaguely speaking, one unit of coin is a full purse of silver pieces. More concretely, we would call that about a week's wages. And then if we look at two coin, that is a weekly income for a small business, which Lang's Discount Pets is. And so I don't want that necessarily to be the standard we go with, just every downtime you roll and you get two coin. I don't want there to be some fluctuation, uh, especially since I want you guys to be out there, you know, seeking other jobs to make coin. But that is kind of the context we're looking at here. As you guys increase in tier, you will eventually be able to bring in more coin. And especially as you fix up the storefront, as you become an established breeder, you'll be able to bring in more coin. So I think we'll just have that fortune roll be tied to your crew's tier for the time being. And then as you succeed in filling out these progress clocks, Seaway, as you guys move up in tier, we'll be able to add more dice to your dice pool for those fortune rolls to see how much money the business is making. I like it. I mean, is there a rule that says he has to share it with us? Seaway <laughs> might just be pocketing all the cash. No comment. <laughs> yeah. Next thing I want to bring up is some stuff to do with Eelhound, our cohort. 
So first thing to mention is the Blood Brothers special ability that we got at the beginning, the thing that gives all of our cohorts the thug type. Uh, we also had a bit of a misconception in terms of when you get that plus one die for teamwork rolls. So we saw quite a bit of teamwork in this previous job, people using the setup action, people using the assist action. So Blood Brothers only gives cohorts specifically plus one die for those teamwork rolls. And so if you bring Eelhound and the boys with you, if they do a setup action, a group action, they'll get plus one die for those teamwork rolls. Uh, another thing to mention with Eelhound though, so we talked about letting Eelhound and the boys do downtime activities for you. Turns out technically that is a special ability that the smuggler's sheet has. Oh. So we're kind of infringing on that. Uh, I do think that's maybe a little bit lame that it's a special ability that only one crew gets, but I do want to keep ourselves, you know, to the rules. So I'm going to give you guys that one for free. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we'll take it. He failed at following <laughs> someone. Go us. <laughs> so you guys get the all hands special ability from the smuggler playbook that lets your cohorts perform a downtime activity for you. Uh, I think there is some specification in terms of which specific actions they can do. They can acquire an asset, reduce heat, or work on a long-term project for you during downtime. Like, that's good stuff still. Yeah. And then the last thing I want to address real quick in terms of rules is the Devil's Bargain. So the Devil's Bargain, I offer a complication in order for that extra die to be added to the roll. And regardless of what the result is, whether you succeed or not, that complication is going to happen. So in the instance where we had the Devil's Bargain in this past score, the Devil's Bargain was that the blown cover clock would be entirely filled up. That should have happened regardless, but narratively doesn't really matter because as soon as Tonin made that statement, Wei Young was like, yes, I'm also here, and then Seaway threw a club out of the darkness and knocked somebody <laughs> out. So doesn't really matter all that much, narratively speaking. Uh, but some other things to note with Devil's Bargains, I'm not the only one who can propose Devil's Bargains. If in that instance, Thomas or Evan wanted to propose a Devil's Bargain for Tonin in that moment as he was making that roll, they could have done that. And also when I propose a Devil's Bargain, if you don't like the terms, you have some ability to haggle back and forth. I have the final say on what the Devil's Bargain is, but it's uh, a bit more of a social game in proposing Devil's Bargains than just I as the GM say, this is the bad thing that's gonna happen. So that is all the stuff that we messed up. Uh, we'll see if we mess up stuff moving forward. But now we're going to get into leveling up. Now, similar to Avatar Legends, we have a series of questions for each of our playbooks for the characters and also for our crew playbook. We're going to ask these questions and then we're going to mark XP accordingly. And if we agree that that trigger was adequately fulfilled, then we mark one XP. But if we look at that and say, actually that was fulfilled in a very major way or was filled in a repeated way, we can mark two XP for each of those. For the crew, we have one big long XP track that has eight spots on it. When we fill up all eight of those, we can gain either a new special ability or two new crew upgrades. And then for the characters, we have a few different places we can put our XP into. You do have a playbook track that when you fill that up, you're able to choose a new special ability, but also each of your three attributes, your insight, your prowess, and your resolve, those have an XP track as well. And that's a little bit shorter, only six boxes on those. And so when you gain XP as a player, you can choose any of those four XP tracks to put that XP point into. And when you fill up the appropriate track, 
If it's your playbook track, you gain a new special ability, or if it is one of your attribute tracks, you add a new action dot to any of the skills underneath that particular action. You just can't go over three currently in any of those particular skills. That all making sense for everybody? Yeah. Heck yeah, brother. Okay. <laughs> Any of you listening, if you want to get more of a visual representation of how this works, all of the playbooks for Blades in the Dark are free online. You can go look at those and you can start to see, oh, this is where they're marking all that stuff off. Let's start with the crew as a whole, the masked spirits. First question, did you execute a successful battle, extortion, sabotage, or smash and grab operation? Oh, come on. We killed Incredibly it. Incredibly successful. No no hesitation. The hardest part was the door. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys were so successful in executing this operation that I think we can mark two XP for that one. All right. Hot dog. The second question is... Did you contend with challenges above your current station? In a big way. We went toe-to-toe with Gecko. Toe-to-toe with Gecko. Yeah, those (laughs) weird sticky toes that let him walk on windows. His three extra sticky toes. So since you punched up so much higher than yourselves right off the beginning, I think we can probably mark two for that one as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, love us too much. (laughs) Yeah, I I do have a reputation for being maybe too generous of a GM, but also, I mean, we've said it so many times, that went incredibly well. I got a reward smart thinking and I got a reward good die rolls. <laughs> and then the third question, did you bolster your crew's reputation or develop a new one? Your reputation being that you are ambitious. I mean, I think it's the same. We punched <laughs> so far above and we had a full success. So what do you guys think? Is that two XP or one XP? The part of me that wants to get new things says two XP, but the part of me that's honest wants to say one XP. I think it's one. I would say the part of me that's honest also says two. (laughs) I mean, come on. How often are we going to have things that are this successful in this game? Think about it. Every time. We're incredible. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay, we'll, we'll go with just one for now. And then the final question, did you express the goals, drives, inner conflict, or essential nature of the crew? This one is a very open-ended question, and there's a similar sort of question for the individual character playbooks. My understanding is that the design intent behind this is to make it be so broad that you could ostensibly mark it every single time. A lot of these aren't necessarily codified in the mechanics of your playbook, like your goals, drives, inner conflict, or essential nature. We haven't really written that down anywhere, but we know that your goals are to establish yourselves as a strong footing and to eventually take over the Earth Kingdom. Your drives are akin to those. Uh, We haven't necessarily gotten so much into the inner conflicts of the crew. Um, The essential nature of the crew, I think, with the masked spirits, we want to present ourselves as this kind of mystical, mysterious, powerful force. So from my perspective, there were plenty of things that we did in this past job to tick this box here. Uh, Any specific examples that you guys would bring forward? The wolf. (sighs) He's the essential nature of our crew. (laughs) Being dark Batman, just in the corner, coming out of the shadows, knocking heads. Yeah, the powerful, mysterious force of nature, as it were. Yeah. Uh, I mean, our goal is to take over the city. So for me, our, our goal is very slowly moving forward. Yeah, so what do you guys reckon? 1 XP or 2 XP? Ned, you can't you can't ask me that kind of question because I just want to take everything. <laughs> it's like giving a kid two candy bars and saying you can have both of them or one of them. The kid's going to say, give me both the candy bars. Yeah, but then you ask the kid, did you earn both of these candy bars? They'll say yes, they want two candy bars. <laughs> I'm a child. 
So also one of the special abilities that we can unlock is called door kickers. And while the actual ability it gives us has nothing to do with kicking doors. We need it. I don't know. I feel like it's something we need. Yeah, door kicker. You when you execute an assault plan, take plus one die to the engagement roll. When we inevitably take door kickers, can we just tweak it so that it specifically means no door can hold us out? You give me a bonus to my wreck roll when attacking doors. It's a little sub rule just for you. You can kick in doors easier. See gets a bonus. Okay, but like, what if the door is made out of platinum though, and like it's such a pure metal that there's no earth in it, and metal benders can't bend it. It, it doesn't say most door kickers. It says door kickers. Door kick. Oh boy, we'll see what happens. Just think about it. Think about it. I, I will think about it. I will take it in consideration. I will write it down uh, with my finger on the surface of my table. Nice. <laughs> Uh, I, to answer your original question, though, I mean, we did a, a bunch of that stuff. I think we should probably go for two on this one. I'll take two as well. All right. So you guys currently have seven XP marked in your tracker. You are one away from leveling up your crew. Yes. Do we also get more turf automatically? Oh, yeah. From we never completing the job? Did we get turf out of that job? Yeah. So one thing that our listeners can't see, unfortunately, but again, if you look up the playbooks, they're free online. Each crew type has a claims map. These are different things that you can get as kind of an upgrade for your crew. Uh, there's a few different like varieties of upgrades we're looking at for the crew with different requirements for getting each one. Special abilities, those are stuff like Blood Brothers, like Door Kickers. You get one of those per level up. Alternatively, you could spend your level up to get two crew upgrades, which are actually specifically named upgrades, so it might get a little confusing. That is stuff like the Bravos rigging that we debated about during the initial character creation. But then there is the claims map, and these are upgrades that you get by going and performing scores specifically to get those for your crew. Turf is the most basic example. The more turf you have, the easier it is for you to level up because you need less rep and there's kind of a map with paths going from claim to claim. We start in the middle with our lair, and then branching out from there, we have turf spaces. We're going to choose one of those two turfs, and it's a question of which path do we want to extend our way down. We have a turf space to the left, and connected to that is the fighting pits. If you get the fighting pits, then you get extra coin in downtime equal to a tier roll minus your heat level. Also connected to that turf space is blue coat intimidation, which means you take minus two heat for every score you do. Then there's also a turf space to the right of our lair, which connects to a second turf space, but also connects to informants. If you have informants, you have plus one die to gather information for scores. And it also connects to warehouses, which gives you plus one die to acquire assets because of these stockpiles you have built up. So, which of these turfs we choose is going to determine which other claims are easier for us to get moving forward. So essentially, at this point, it's kind of a question of, do we want quicker access to fighting pits or the guard intimidation, or do we want to have quicker access to informants and warehouses? I'm a big fan of the uh, guard intimidation one. Yeah, if we're going to be a mysterious shadow organization that really just looks like spirits who decide to ruin everyone's day, getting some heat off of us might be helpful. <laughs> Minus two heat per score, it's pretty nice. Is that what I'm you down think? for that. <laughs> okay, I was going to say Evan has been pretty silent. Oh, I, uh, it's not one of our options here. I want to get that terrorized citizens one as soon as we can. <laughs> as soon as possible. <laughs> Why do you want to hurt the people? I thought you loved them. <laughs> I do love the people, but it's better for us if... If when they see the spirits, they shudder their windows. Would I rather be loved or feared? <laughs> I want people to be afraid of how much they
they love me. I'd rather be loved without my mask and feared with my mask on. There we go. Yeah, now that we have marked off this particular piece of turf, whenever you guys are moving into your next score phase, you have the option of if an external source has presented a job to you, you can always take that. And that usually comes with a payoff of coin in the end. These people are paying you to do this job for them. Alternatively, you always have the option to look at your claims map. So when we start getting into free play, I'm going to present you guys with an opportunity for a job that could get you some coin, but you could also look at this and say, hey, we want to get those terrorized citizens or we want to get those BSS guard intimidation right now. You could choose to do any of those potential options. Very cool. That should do it for leveling up the crew sheet. Now let's go character by character. Let's start with good old Mr. Who over here. Cool, let's do this thing. <laughs> So, your first question is, did you address a challenge with calculation or conspiracy? I think we did. We had a pretty well thought out plan. We gathered information. Um, we didn't just rush in and hope for the best. So I think, I think yes. Yep, and you took that survey role to take stock of the place and potentially use the environment to your advantage. You hid off at the corner to kind of throw people off. So I think that fits. Cool, one closer. Next question, did you express your beliefs, drives, heritage, or background? And this one is kind of similarly a question that I think is designed to be ticked pretty much every time. Uh, we do have heritage and background are specifically codified for each of our characters. In your example, your heritage is that you're from a minor noble family in the East Bossing Say region, and your background is that you have financial administration in a noble environment. Those we have a bit more concrete, but also your individual beliefs and drives as Hu Wei Young, the man who wants to become the Earth King, that is a bit more nebulous. So would you say that you expressed your beliefs, drives, heritage, or background? Can I actually pitch an idea I just had? What's that? I think the rest of the crew should decide that. Interesting. I like that. that I mean, obviously, I think I'm going to... I'm a kid who's being offered candy bars. I, I'm going to say yes. I want I want the people to decide. I want the crew to say yes, he totally did, or no, he did not. But what, uh, some of my drives are beyond your understanding. Beyond mm. <laughs> Well, luckily, there's three other categories we can work with. For Wei Young, I would say definitely. I mean, it was through your connections and your noble heritage that we even got this job in the first place and your desire to become the Earth King and, and move ourselves forward, I feel like kind of drove the whole crew in, in this instance. I'll take it. Yeah, works for me. Thanks for the candy bar, man. <laughs> and then the final question. Did you struggle with issues from your vice or traumas during the session? I had no traumas and my vice hasn't even come up yet. So no. All right. Looks like you are planning on leveling up your playbook. Yep, I'm slowly, slowly chipping away at that. There's a couple of special abilities I want. All right. Next, let's take a gander at Tonin Yoru's playbook. First question, did you address a challenge with deception or influence? I addressed every problem with deception. <laughs> Things that aren't even problems you address with that. I mean, from gathering information to pretending to be some prestigious old man who had you know, been around, that is my whole shtick. And I really feel like I, I tried to lean into it over these last two sessions. So giving the power back to the people, I suppose. Evan and Thomas, do we agree with this assessment? Yeah, mm -hmm. 100%. All right. Is it worth two? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I take it back. Zero percent. You don't get any. Yeah, actually, um, remove one of his action dots. <laughs> okay, so one XP for that question. Next, did you express your beliefs, drives, heritage, or background? What do you guys think? I think at the very least you did with your beliefs because I mean you you want to be the earth sage you believe that we could pull all this stuff off and you just you went for it you you lied you cheated you stealed your way to stealed you stole your way into uh, <laughs> that bathhouse so I I'm gonna say yes bare minimum on beliefs and drives um, heritage and background might be a little iffier but yes I'm going with the yes I don't really know what you believe that's fair the moment I keep coming back to I'm realizing is more an answer for the next question um, because you didn't gauge your vice because that, that moment drawing the person and getting the information is, is probably the defining moment for Tonin from last session. So, uh, And I think that sort of ties in to your beliefs and your drives uh, because the way you interact with people seems to be part of what drives Tonin. So I am not going to fight you on this. I will take it. I will take another mark. <laughs> All right. And then leaning into that third question, did you struggle with issues from your vice or traumas? Oh, yeah, it wasn't a struggle. It was actually quite helpful. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, we should take one off of his track because it helped him. It didn't hurt him. I, I, I guess because of the word struggle being in there, I have to say no because my vice didn't hinder me in any way. Yeah, makes sense. Then our final character, Siwei Lang, your first question. Did you address a challenge with violence or coercion? <laughs> nope. No violence here. All peace. All right. So power of the people, what do we think for Siwei? I mean, he was pure violence. I think I, I'm happy to give away two X's for that. Two marks. Yeah. I mean, I don't know enough about you, so I think you should get nothing. Um, I don't know what your secret is. I don't know what your drives are. I don't know your background, or your heritage. Um, anyway, no, I, I think, yeah, you used a especially effective application of violence, which with what I can deduce from your character so far, you don't really want to be violent unless you have to be violent. So you adhered to that belief, right? You were not really knocking heads until you had to be knocking heads, and then you did it really well, so it was over fast. So I'd say, yeah, definitely. All right, so it sounds like two XP for that. Next, did you express your beliefs, drives, heritage, or background? Hmm. This is an interesting situation here. The more we give the power to the people, the more you have secrets, the more difficult it is for them to answer these questions. But do I not have a drive to find love with Jenna? <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to give away uh, at least one experience point just because although I feel like we may not know exactly what your, you know, your drives are and your desires, you're part of the crew. So you obviously have at least some desire to have us succeed and grow. And we were just as a crew, wildly successful, unrealistically successful <laughs> this first time. So And, and I'll, I'll say this for you guys, give you a little insight uh, without hopefully giving away too much of my secret. I won't say what for. Seaway wants money. That is a big driving force of why Seaway does crime. All right. So that might help you decide. Part, that's part of a drive for him. I won't say like what he needs the money for or why he wants it, or what he's going to use it for. <laughs> but if you need to know part of what drives him, it is acquiring money. <laughs> um, I would just like to copy paste what I said before. I think one of your beliefs is don't be violent until you have to. And then if you have to, make sure it counts. So from the outside, at least, that's what it looks like to me. And you killed it in that front big time i will take it and then the final question did you struggle with issues from your vice or traumas during the session my vice is a secret but i did not struggle how convenient <laughs> we don't know what it is but you totally didn't struggle with it i didn't i haven't even <laughs> indulged it yeah 
You know, now I think about it, uh, I'm looking at our list of clocks here, and this could be a good way to, like, if we're going to have our teammates be the ones who decide whether we answer these questions positively or not, looking at these clocks could be a good way to determine what people's drives or beliefs might be. Well, that's true. I do want to become an animal breeder. Okay. Yeah, and like last downtime, you marked three ticks in fixing up the storefront. Uh, Tonin marked three ticks in making a singing bowl. Uh, Christian, I need to talk to you about the singing bowl. <laughs> Look, it's a pipe dream. It, you know, I may become the head of the Earth Sages before I finish this thing, but I want it. Yeah, the, the problem is not the fact that you want it. The problem is I've been thinking about the economics of this game just a little bit here. <laughs> Um, so we have a 12 clock currently set, and I feel like that you know, that's decent to cover the labor of hiring priests to come in, build the 20 by 20 by 20 room, help construct the 10 foot by 10 foot singing bowl. However, the fact that this bowl is constructed entirely of precious metals is going to pose a little bit of a problem for us uh, without bringing some money into the situation. <laughs> so I, I've done a lot of research about singing bowls over the past couple weeks. Now, in terms of materials, we could go any number of ways. Today, most singing bowls are made out of a bronze-like material. Uh, initially, they were primarily made out of copper, I believe. Uh, there's also a popular seven metal blend with one metal representing each of the seven chakras, gold, silver, tin, tin lead, etc. So, the material you choose to actually have a bowl of like the so in total, that is $5,454 worth of copper just in raw materials. If I may interject here, um, <laughs> yes. several things I'd like to point out. That one, fantasy game. Two, someone in this city makes metal. There's got to be a, a shop somewhere. Somewhere in this city deals with raw ore. Somewhere in this city can do all these things for us. It would take a lot of work, but we could we could find all these buildings, take them over or buy them or whatever, and then get your bowl made. I think it'd be a lot more work than maybe you were anticipating, but I think it's possible in universe, just very difficult in universe. Yeah, so here's maybe kind of the deal I'm going to present to you. We have a 12 clock made just in labor of constructing a 20 foot by 20 foot by 20 foot soundproof room and a 10 foot by 10 foot singing bowl out of precious metal. Now, we'll say if you want to pay four coin, that will be enough to cover the raw material costs. Alternatively, we could set up another progress clock if you do want to, like, fleece random buildings and steal stuff from them. Uh, we would call that probably a six clock or an eight clock, I would imagine. Four coin is a lot, especially early game. Which is why this is a late game project, right? Yeah. Hey, is there is there a bank we could rob in Bossing Say? There's plenty of banks you could rob in Bossing Say. Do you guys want to rob a bank today? <laughs> no. <laughs> that sounds like it's gonna bring a lot of heat. Yeah, I decidedly do not want that. If we're caught, we'll just dress up like Gecko's boys. Okay. Little deception there. Um I think I'm gonna just have to work really hard and get that four coin eventually. And then it'll just be one last thing as I'll need the help of Priest and his construction crew to go ahead and bend a hole down and have us be able to lower it down, get it in there. Cause I mean, I also need the giant wooden, what's the ringing, what's the- The, the mallet, that, I believe. The, yeah, the mallet, I guess. 
I need that suspended from the ceiling so that I can run it around the edge. Um, but that shouldn't be, it's wood, so that's not as expensive as the metal. Yeah, wood wrapped in leather, though. When you say this is a pipe dream, do you mean whilst using a pipe you had a dream about a giant singing bowl? <laughs> <laughs> I just, if leather is a concern, we live under a pet store. Oh, no. Oh, Seaway will not allow. Seaway will never know. The dude does not abide. <laughs> You're not going to use your singing bowls to make him out for the singing bowl? Oof. Um, yeah, I think uh, as of right now, Tonin is going to go ahead and once the construction is done, start putting money aside in a separate little fund. You know what? In order to maybe make this a little bit more flexible for us, I am going to create another eight clock that we're going to attach to the singing bowl room. At any point, you can spend one coin to tick off two of those segments, but you could also potentially use downtime activities to work on that project as well. I like it. I just, can you imagine sitting on like a little cushion or like sitting in like two inches of water at the bottom of a giant singing bowl and being inside of it while it's being rung? I feel like my body would melt. That does sound like a pipe dream. <laughs> I have literally no desire to do that. What? Real me, fictional, Huey Young, none of us. I feel like eventually it would like hit the proper resonant frequency of my bones that they would just like dissolve into sludge inside my body. <laughs> and that doesn't sound appealing? Why does that not sound appealing? It sounds loud. That's the soundproof room. Yeah, I mean, I was the one in my family who was playing accordion at 1 a.m. So I probably could use the soundproof room when I was younger. In any case, uh, we've talked about the bowl. Let's just move we got on. that all sorted out. Yeah. So now we're going to move into free time. You guys can kind of explore the city as you wish, pursue your goals and whatnot. And I do have a specific interaction that's going to happen with Mr. Who over here. Uh, but before we get into that, Seaway or Tonin, would either of you like to do anything with your free time? So there was Ember Alley was where most of the firebenders are. What was the name of the place where most of the waterbenders had moved in? Yes, that is Little Ognakila. Um, I want to go to Little Ognakita. Sorry. I just <laughs> you just heard it. I would like to go there. And I would like to spend some time disguised as an older man doing more just art and stuff, specifically of people and things like that, but in traditional waterbending style, uh, which in this case I imagine to be kind of like, I don't know if you guys have seen much of the art of Native Alaskans. Mm. It's kind of got a blockiness to it that I really like. And so that's what a lot of the art is going to be like. And I just want to kind of spend a good, at least a day, maybe two, just practicing that art style and getting some faces down as well. Yeah, I'll say just make a fortune roll for me. We'll give you two dice for that. All right, <clears throat> a five and a three having me with a five. All right, so you're able to collect a couple decent faces and whatnot. One thing that you do notice as you're kind of sitting there taking a glance around, uh, this essentially is going to work kind of like a gather information role, the way I've got it in my mind. Uh, one of these interactions, these people, they're kind of like sitting at a table outside a tea house and they're talking. And you see one of them as they're talking kind of like scratches their upper arm a little bit, kind of raises their sleeve. And you see a tiny gecko has been tattooed onto their shoulder. Oh. Not a big gecko, a tiny gecko. There we go. Gecko Jr. Um... I will quickly flip to a new page and get a quick but good sketch of them down. 
and go ahead and approach to begin a conversation just to start talking. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of shuffle over there in my um, old man disguise. Excuse me, sir. I was across the street and I happened... You, you caught my eye. I, I hope it's not too forward, but I drew this and I'd like you to have it. I admired uh, particularly your tattoo I saw there. All right. Uh, this individual does look at you kind of affronted. You've essentially picked this person out as being a member of Gecko Jr.'s crew. Uh, we're probably going to want a roll to make sure that this person doesn't just like either punch you in the face or <laughs> run immediately. What role do you think that would fit? Well, specifically, I, at the bottom of the page, I wrote a gift from the masked spirits. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So I would like it to be either a consort or sway. Yeah, I think either of those could fit. Consort maybe would be a little bit more appropriate since you're trying to like connect with this person in a non-deceptive-ish sort of manner. I mean, as non-deceptive as Tonin can be. Right. <laughs> uh, I'll say with that note on the bottom, we'll make this risky, but with great effect. Booyah, booyah. I'm going to take a little screenshot because that always makes me happy when this happens. It's not a six and a six. It's a five and a six. Oh, nice. So the individual is kind of on edge, but then sees the note at the bottom, looks up at you, leans in and whispers, the face. Oh, yes, I see you. uh, You're also familiar with us. And I give him a little wink. And the person sitting on the other side of the table is a bit more surly and just kind of says, you're actually a spirit then? Whether or not I am, I certainly consort with them. And that's all I say. I kind of just give a little bow and then I shuffle off, um, pack everything up, and I'm going to change my disguise before I go back out to keep sketching. All right. A little bit of networking with your allies here. Seaway, anything that you're going to be doing? Yeah, so I would like to, um, early in the morning before the shop opens, go out, you know, get some breakfast tea, some pastries for, like, breakfast, take a book maybe to read, and then maybe go to, like, a more popular shopping area. But the whole time, I'm, you know, picking a table near the most people, I'm going to the busiest shopping centers. I'm trying to go to the most social places and keep an ear out to hear what are people talking about? What's the pulse of the common folk around town? Have we created a splash that is like being talked about? Are they trying not to talk about it? Are they still unconcerned with like a rise of criminal activity around town? Or, you know, are these people just chatting about how good the pastries down the block are? What's the (laughs) pulse of the citizenry? Yeah, let's also have you make a fortune roll to gather information. And we'll put this at three dice, I feel like. Ooh, nice. People are definitely going to be talking about you. It's just a matter of what are they saying about you. Two ones and a five. (laughs) Okay. So the vibe that you're getting is people are certainly very impressed by what you've done. But broadly speaking, you've generated a lot of fear among the general populace of Bossing City. People aren't necessarily (laughs) looking towards you as beneficial thugs because, you know, there are certainly people where it's like, you know, we enjoy having this group around because they protect us from some of the other gangs in the area. People aren't necessarily looking at you as protectors. They're looking at you as something to be wary of in this moment. 
Um, and as we get closer to midday, I will purchase some fabrics, go home and, you know, open up the shop. And while I wait for customers, I will start cutting the fabrics and sewing together some uh, cloths to lay along the bottom of cages for bedding and absorption. Okay. <laughs> so that'll be part of what you did with your long-term project during downtime. Mm -hmm. Very nice. And then we pick up with Mr. Who down there in Ember Alley around the bathhouse, getting to know the local orphans. How are the street urchins doing? They got any good news for me? Yeah, so you already did do that long-term project role in the previous episode and succeeded. And as you're talking with these urchins, they are generally pretty impressed by you because, you know, you're bribing them along the way. You know, you're offering them candy bars, as it were, because <laughs> you know how children work. And you start to, like, as you're just kind of listening to what the urchins are talking about, they're talking about this new soup kitchen, essentially, that's been opened out in the agrarian zone called the Cabbage Garden. Those will be my cabbages. <laughs> and some of the kids hear you mentioning that, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're you're like one of those, are, are you one of them earth sages? You're, you're kind of noble, right? Oh, good heavens, no. I would never be one of the earth sages. I'm, I'm simply a minor noble. Uh, you know, I don't understand why people are telling me I should be worried about the nobles and the earth sages because you, you're pretty nice. And then also Nellie Al, the gardener who started up the cabbage garden, she's pretty nice. Oh, is she? Would you mind, uh, do you happen to know on this map that I rip out of my pocket, <laughs> where is this, this cabbage garden? Oh yeah, it's right down here in the agrarian zone. When you're there, you're family. That's what they tell oh, me, and I really God. like that because I, my, my family was killed by Chin the Conqueror, and that's why I ended up here as an orphan in Bossing Say. Oh, goodness me. Well, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I, thank you for your help, little orphan. Have fun being parentless. You too. I have parents better than you. Um, I would like to, I want to go, I want to go on a walk. I want to go out to the agrarian zone and uh, see if I can't scout out the specific setup they have over there. Yeah, go ahead and we'll have you gather information. What would you like to roll to gather information? Um, I'm just a noble. I'm, I'm looking for opportunities to do charity for my family. So I'm lying i guess uh because i'm not doing that uh sway sway works for me um i would like to take a devil's bargain <gasps> okay i for those who don't know in the talk back i decided that for this session in particular i'm going to take a devil's bargain anytime i roll okay the devil's bargain i'm going to offer to you is there's going to be a connection made between you and tonin who Nellie the Gardener is not a big fan of at the moment. I knew your bargains were going to come back to hurt <laughs> us. They're not called angels bargains, man. All right. <laughs> I only have two, so this is going to... Let's see how this works. That one spun for a long time to give me a two. Um, that's what I got, is a two. Wow. A two and a one? Oh, oh a two and a one. That's oh, it. Oh, no. Good news, Tonin. <laughs> If you didn't want me to do it, you should have come and stopped me. No, I'm all about it. This is your fault it. for not knowing. <laughs> I'm all about it. <laughs> so you're looking around there. You're kind of talking around, trying to get a pulse on things. And a connection is made between you and Tonin. And additionally, as a result of your total failure, 
we're not going to give you physical harm, but I think we're going to give you social harm. Your reputation as a minor noble is something that is very valuable to you. Absolutely. And the fact that Nellyow the gardener has associated you with this just absolute total piece of trash tone in Yoru, that is going to give you a bit of social heat of your own. And we're going to make that a, let's say, level two social harm. Dang. Is it with everyone or specifically with the gardener? So the gardener is going to be spreading some of this news a little bit because the gardener is trying to gain her own political strength and whatnot. And what's the best way to gain political strength is by smearing your rivals. Am I right? Am I right, buddy? Okay, so essentially let's talk about how harm works. Harm is a little bit stickier than stress. You can take eight stress before you're incapacitated and you start taking trauma and you can relieve it by indulging your vice and whatnot. Harm is stickier. These are injuries of some sort and each one comes with a consequence. If you have level one harm, in any instance where that harm would be applicable, your effect is reduced for that roll. If you have level two stress, you take minus one die wherever that is applicable. And level three stress, you need help in that moment. Like you are essentially out of commission until somebody comes and assists you, gives you some healing as it were. The way that you reduce harm is by taking the recover activity during downtime. Traditionally, when we look at harm, that is more of a physical thing. Like, hey, I have a sprained wrist. I need to talk to a physiker to help me heal this. Since this is more social harm, you have Nellie out the gardener kind of starting to smear your name. And in social situations where your personal nobility and your honor as a noble comes into effect, you're going to take minus one die in those moments. And rather than seeking out a physiker, you're probably going to need to seek out like a PR person to help improve <laughs> your public image and whatnot. Noted. Did I did I at least fish out some info? Like, yeah, it's over there. I'll take that. It's over there. So like you go there and you're looking at what's happening and you try and enter in and you are like firmly rebuffed by the gardener's guards. You see like all of these orphans walking in very happily, walking out with bowls of soup and bread and whatnot. They're having a grand old time. They are singing the praises of the gardener up and down. And as you are kind of like off in the corner scheming, trying to figure out, okay, how do I work my way back in? You see some people off to the side who also look very unhappy about this situation. So you've got like a couple of individuals. One is wearing like the attire of a ward boss. They've got like a bandana with an insignia on it to show that they're in charge of a farming faction. And walking away from this ward boss and their assistant here is a couple of the gardener's guards. They're heading back towards the cabbage garden with very sort of self-satisfied looks on their faces. I'm going to go talk to the ward boss. What's the deal with this place? I went in there trying to offer my services, maybe give them some more funding to help the poor and the needy in this city, and I wasn't even allowed entrance. Why are they rebuking free money? Oh, the gardener is taking advantage of the loss and abandonment that's been happening here. It's been an issue for generations. First the Yellownecks come in, they kill a bunch of families and leave our streets flooded with orphans. And as soon as we get rid of the Yellownecks, Chin the Conqueror comes in. He's killing families, leaving us up to our ears and orphans as well. And what does Nellyow the gardener do? Oh, look at me. I'm so wonderful. I'm going to provide free food for all of these young, impressionable children so I can convert them over to my cause. But, you know, the gardener, disgraced as she is, is and looks up at you kind of warily. You probably shouldn't be talking about it, but 
some of us are being extorted to provide food for the gardener to give away. Ah, I see. So there's not exactly an altruistic intention here. I see why they'd reject my generous offer. <laughs> Perhaps I could be of some assistance to you. I have some connections in the middle ring. Uh, let me get your contact information, and I'll see what uh, what strings I can pull to assist you with this overeager rascal. Yeah, so you speak with this ward boss. His name is Fen Fang. Fen Fang. Yes. Okay. And as he kind of like talks back and forth with you, towards the end of your conversation, Fen Fang says, now we don't have much by way of assets that we can, you know, contribute to this, but we really need the cabbage garden to be taken out of the situation. We need the gardener to feel a little bit of pain. So we don't have a lot, but we can offer you four coin if you do this job for us. For a coin, you could buy a 10 foot by 10 foot singing bowl with that kind of cash. <laughs> At least the raw materials. I have no idea why that is germane to any of this that's going on right now. It's a whole thing with a friend of mine. Anyway, I would absolutely love to assist you as best I can. However, given my position, I may not be able to do much. Let me get in touch with a few friends who may be uh, more amenable to the situation. If you learn of anything new, don't hesitate to contact us. Yes, of course. You, If you can help take care of the gardener for us, then everything will be better down here in the agrarian zone. Not a problem. Remember, mum's the word. Shh. And then I'm going to leave. <laughs> All right. And so as Mr. Who heads back to his friends up in the middle ring, I think that seems like a good place for us to pick up next time. Booyah. We bringing in the gardener. I'm excited about this. We're going to go break up a soup kitchen. Yeah. I'm already nervous. <laughs> you just provoked one of my big, big enemies. Oh, it's kind of interesting. We talked a little bit about the talkback episode we recorded before this, but we were talking about Al Capone's soup kitchen that was like one of the biggest soup kitchens in the city. And how interesting that, like, I had this planned a while back and it all fits together. <laughs> Since I only got to roll once this session, uh, next session, I'm going to do devil's bargains for everything. Um, <laughs> when we actually get into the score? When we actually get into the score, yeah. Oh, boy. I, this is a learning exercise. <laughs> make sure everyone knows how a devil's bargain works. <laughs> yeah, we screwed it up the first time, so we got to make sure we've got it drilled into our heads. Look, I, if I do it enough times, statistically, I'm going to pull it off. Yeah. Except that mechanically, it doesn't matter. It's all we just learned that the devil's bargain always happens. If regardless. you don't want me to take devil's bargains, you're gonna have to put me down. All right, kill way young, and you might get no more bargains. Well, we were talking about how things went too well during your first job, and things have to come back to bite you eventually. So we're just evening the scales. Here it comes. Speed running. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we'll have to see what happens with that. But for now, thanks, everybody, for listening to ImpTab Avatar. And we'll be back next time with more adventures in the world of Blades in the Dao Fate. If you want more, go and subscribe. Maybe even give us a review. We would be happy as a young orphan who is family when he's at the Cabbage Garden if you go ahead and give us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. We're also all over social media at Improv Tabletop. So if you'd like to connect with us, you know, maybe you want to talk with Thomas about his aspirations to ruin the group from the inside out. <laughs> Don't be afraid to reach out. I'm going to add that to my beliefs list. Oh, boy. Always take devil's bar That's my vice. I have to take devil's bargains. Oh, no. Things getting very exciting over here. In any case, it's time to shout out our next batch of Sticker Club patrons. Woo! First up, we got Stuttering GM. Stuttering GM is the head cook at the Cabbage Garden, 
And, you know, it's not starting GM's fault that he happens to be working for a corrupt Earth Sage. But, I mean, if you were working for the Masked Spirits, you would also be working for a corrupt Earth Sage. So it's hard to avoid that in Bossing Say. You're just making, you're just doing what you can to make it by, and I admire that hustle. Next up is Adrian Garneau. Adrian is actually the member of Gecko Jr.'s smuggling operation that Tonin spoke to in Little Ognakila. Oh, nice tattoo. Yeah, very nice tattoo, Adrian. We appreciate your fashion sense. And also your networking that you're doing with our team here <laughs> and then the final person that we're shouting out today is aaron parrot who across multiple different generations of avatardom is still somehow jetsoon's pupil <laughs> uh, the air nomads are going through a bit of a rough time currently you know trying to take care of all of the destruction that avatar crook did across various spiritual sites across the four nations so most of your friends are a little busy but you know you're the one person who is still you're the only member of the air nomad embassy who is currently in bossing say at the moment Jeez. so good luck with that Aaron. it's a big big <laughs> responsibility, but we believe in you. That does it for this week's round of Sticker Club patrons, but we'll have more to shout out next week. And if you want to join their ranks, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash improv tabletop, where you can also get bonus episodes like the obligatory talkback. You can get Discord access, biannual sticker packs, and more. Now, let's do a round of plugs. Thomas, would you like to take that this time around? Uh, yeah, plugs. We've got like a thousand fake campaigns, <laughs> each better than the last. That number is slightly exaggerated, but welcome to improv. Everything's a lie. Um, they're all really good, though, for real. I'm not in any of them, so they'll be pretty high quality. Also, if you're into this whole Avatar thing, which at this point you better be, we've got a full Avatar Legends playthrough, 10,000 Things, following the adventures of a bunch of not rapscallions, actually good people trying to save the day. Also, if you don't, if you, this isn't your jam, but you really love D&D 5e, have I got the actual play for you. I cast fireballs currently doing <laughs> tyranny of dragons. Our own esteemed Ned is part of it. Very cool guy. He's a, a little druid fella who likes to do little druid fella things. Highly recommend it. And, uh, Hey, you're here. You're, you're listening to a tabletop podcast. Might I recommend some dice over at fanrolldice.com? Uh, you go there, you get good dice. You can use our code for that, which is vroom, vroom, fifi. Yeah. Yeah. 10% off. 10% off dice. Us, life's good. Yeah, it is. Get improved. Well, everybody, thanks so much for joining us here in the world of ImpTab Avatar Blades in the Dao Fei. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by Thomas Ryan, Master of Plugs, Christian Randall playing Tonin Yoru, and Evan Peterson as Siwei Lang. Much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next time on ImpTab Avatar. Baba Booey. Baba Booey. <laughs> Zooey Mama. Oh, man. Put that after the credits, Ned. Okay. <laughs>